got together with friends in the university or even at high school for a meet up or a little uh, kind of a small little birthday get together in late 80s or 90s there wasn't so much of a flashy birthday celebration i mean students wouldn't have mm. that kind of um, pocket money to go out and have a very lavish birthday party within themselves mm. so we used mm. to put together whatever we had saved and we used to uh, give the friend or celebrate the birthday or some other occasion that we wanted to be with friends and that's how one got to uh, know about what food is there out in the world beyond your home territory and that mm. in that space calcutta has an amazing range of food right from the street level pani puri to the kati roll to to what not i mean it's it's an amazing place other than delhi i think that is that is a place that one should go ahead i mean whenever one is in kolkata one should try out the street food and the small eateries so i think that mm. somewhere had left a memory imprint for me being uh, mm. though i have not been in the city for more than two decades plus i live and work mm. uh, mostly out of bombay and a, a, a bit uh, in in the us so when that put together i think that that created that uh, memory space and once my earlier book was over which was quite heavy and took a long time which is on banaras i mm. thought i would want to work in a space which has a sense of comfort for me food is always comfort food is always something mm. which which you are familiar which is integral to your way of life and how you are so food was something mm. which i wanted to do and everybody kept asking me actually that you you are mm. working on books one after the other when are you going to do something on the city itself so i thought this is a mm. good entry point for me 
okay and you know what i found interesting about the book is that um, apart from you know a lot of information which i didn't know I, you know but also as a fact that i mean i don't know maybe bengalis know all these things about their uh, you know about their cuisine and their uh, um, you know culture but as an outsider as a non bengali you know it's a real revelation many of the things many of the uh, much of the information especially the sweets section and you know all that so was that a conscious thing or i would tell you you know many times even uh, even bengalis like even uh, uh, people who have been um, based in kolkata for a very long time mm. wouldn't know the history of the food per se as in they would mm. i mean they would enjoy uh, a particular sweet like this one about uh, nehru motilal nehru mm. Oh, yes i am i am almost sure that only a very small percentage of people with the affinity of rather people have people earlier used to have that habit now i don't think in that city people would do all all these eccentricities what i have seen in childhood people used to walk a lot walk around the city mm-hmm. whoever is in whatever neighborhood especially whoever is in northern part of the city which is used to be in the colonial period the more important city area uh, so mm-hmm. uh, they would move around roam around the interpersonal interaction and engagement was very high so some people would get to know more about what happened and how this came how that came about but in generally in the public realm the history of food is not something which consciously is remembered other than the history of uh, chai which is darjeeling tea which is what many bengalis love to have or even assam mm. and tea in general mm. so during those mm. conversational sessions discussions about food would come up but even in that mm. i don't think people would go in that detail so it is also mm. for the bengali readership and of course i know that rest of india and even outside india people who are interested in food history the stories of food they wouldn't know much about this so it was it had a, a, a conscious uh, effort on my part to bring in those stories because i really wanted the book to be anecdotal with with all the research that has gone into it mm. okay so you know especially like i mean i found it fascinating how you've put down you know like uh, um Uh, especially the sweet maybe it's my personal obsession but the sweet section is really lovely and what i found really nice is how um, you mentioned the creators of you know particular sweets like rasgulla you know you have like um, and sandesh and you've given the names of the creators which i mean i don't know really i the I, general public i think i think manjula sometimes when we talk about a particular food like rasgulla mm. still some people will know about navin chandra das but mm. not many people will know about shandesh and not many mm. people will also know about the involvement of uh, somebody like uh, like the fascination of sweets that uh, uh, the vice chancellor ashutosh mukhopadhyay had or even ramkrishna paramhansa dev had 
and other people who were fond and fond of sweets. And then there is a story about uh, the Maharani of uh, uh, Kashimbajar, her for whom yeah. a particular shondesh was made. So all these yes. anecdotes, I think, get lost. The other thing is mm-hmm. that in my also book, lady canning, lady, lady canning, canning of course, lady canning, <laughs> the the the, the yes. wise queen and how it was her birthday gift and things like that. So, um, mm-hmm. but the other very important thing which I try to bring in in my work is, I always try to bring in a, a people's history point of view. So, okay. so in 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 that sense, I think it's very important to understand the people behind, kind of, who are working behind. So, if you if mm-hmm. you recall the Telebhaja um, section, those uh, yeah. fried fritters section, I have in yes. detail mentioned, or even even in the dark banglo section, I have mentioned yes. the uh, people who were uh, creating those. Uh, dishes who are creating those mm-hmm. kind of uh, food in transit that's very important for me because i would like to credit the people bring their stories to make it more human to make it more interesting to 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 blend it with actually what is the food and how the makers are their lives are equally important for me yes Yes, and you know, and also um, the influence of Vajid Ali Shah, and uh, I mean, I never thought of the Kati role as having such an exotic sort of <laughs> beginning. So you want to talk about that? I mean, we eat Kati rolls, and you know, Kati rolls in Calcutta, famous, and you know, all that. But one never thought that this was what was you know at the root. So he is more credited with the this famous uh, the. Alu in biryani, he like mm-hmm. the inclusion of uh, uh, potato in uh, mutton biryani, lamb because his chicken biryani is a much later innovation. Then, mm. but I think he, the whole culture of kebab came from uh, his. A kitchen to the public realm because because of his uh, being detained in Fort William and then mm. his, his stay in Kolkata in Metiaburuj for such a long time and then of mm. course it's a very complex social scenario India I mean the war of independence had happened and the British rule is kind of towards its closer so all that is happen, hap, happening and at the same time I'm once he he passed away, his people who were quite a lot in numbers, which I have mentioned, mm. they they, yes. they they were looking for employment. So and that is exactly how things came into the public realm. And when when it comes mm. to the public realm, it, it undergoes a certain kind of a change. I mean, for example, the other day we were discussing on Twitter. Or uh, chudpi and other local cheese that we have. Yes, yes. Imagine if those would come into uh, public uh, public spaces and uh, a large number of public eateries. Chances are that they will undergo their inherent changes. Some changes mm-hmm. might happen once they have to customize themselves. So this is exactly yeah. what had happened with what was being cooked in Metya Buruj area, not only in his kitchen, but people who came 
came with him. Nearly 700 people uh, came along with him of, of different, uh, I mean, they held different position in his court and in his governance in Lucknow. So people followed him. Then there were musicians and artists and a whole lot of people came, had come. So I'm, I'm really, really going to say here that once things go out of private kitchens, things mm. alter, things transform. And that is something mm. in, uh, which which needs to be mentioned. Mm. Mm. And, and and they take on their own uh, own forms and kind of evolve in the public space, you see? Yes, they do. Yes, yes they very much do. Like uh, one, one very, very easy and one very common example is that Though biryani is mostly considered as lamb biryani, but mm. at that point of time, I mean, because chicken was not allowed, even lamb was not allowed in uh, mm. upper caste Hindu families. But mm. when, when post-independence biryani became more popular, chicken eventually became more popular because chicken was a more reasonably priced ingredient than mutton. Than mm-hmm. mutton or, or lamb, whatever whatever we say. So, so this is how things change. This is how things uh, take new shape, new avatar. Not everything which uh, was eaten at that point of time by the royal uh, Avadi family has gone into public realm. Some recipes have not made it to popular uh, interest because they were either complicated to make or... Uh, uh, one example I'll give. This uh, one Kali Gajar ki halwa, which is available in Lucknow in a certain period mm. of time in the winter. Mm. Hardly will you see it in uh, Kolkata, in a, in a co- 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 common restaurant which sell the loosely termed food, Mughlai food. You won't get mm-hmm. it. it uh, mm. Then there is Shahi Tukra, which isn't very popular. Mm. On the other hand, Firni is very popular. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so, you mentioned Shirmal and all these she, breads also. Ab- absolutely. Shirmal and all are, are uh, uh, pretty much available, but that again has um, some had made a great inroad, some haven't been able to make great inroad, but it's 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 also on what a large number of people uh, found comfortable enough to eat consume relish so this is the story where you you actually see how people respond to food the whole book is about how people respond to food you make that you know the subtle not so subtle difference between uh, Delhi Mughalai Khana and Avadi cuisine right and um, how that was then transported to Calcutta and and then it emerges in the in the form of the biryani as you said yes it's been, uh, because um, Lucknow food is uh, very delicate very flavorful well, mm. in comparison the food that was shaping Delhi's foodscape uh, had bolder notes to it if I may 
food this way had more spices and also what is what people don't know that uh, lucknowis or avadis didn't like biryani as such they were more fond of pulavs so wow. pulavs a lot many variety of pulavs Uh, were consumed in a typically in a marriage or any celebratory function and in mm-hmm. lucknow moti pulao this pulao that pulao so that kind of uh, is something which uh, which went through a transformation and eventually eventually it was a biryani which uh, came into i mean everybody now of course now everybody knows that kolkata is mad about its biryani they they just love it beyond i mean if if home food is their number one preference the second preference would be possibly a plate of good well cooked chicken biryani or even people who enjoy yes. mutton biryani they are and they are absolutely i mean i have seen people arguing in eateries and restaurants why is why haven't there i mean if the aloo goes missing that creamish <laughs> slice they would pounce on the wait, waiter to tell him ki ye kya kiya aapne aloo kahan hai aloo laiye aloo nahi hai aapke samajh mein i have seen it so many times i mean okay i understand for a non veg people might be but for a aloo they are crazy <laughs> Uh, this seems to be a, a solely calcutta obsession <laughs> it is it is because no because biryani is cooked across the country across the subcontinent but nowhere he nowhere other than kolkata i think there is this aloo obsession that aloo kidhar gaya mera are meat to hai na khao na aloo ka kya talash hai So it's it's quite crazy. I've seen people really arguing. No kidding. Ah, ah. So now you know. I I when I was reading the book, it struck me that I all I thought that Bengalis were always non-vegetarian, but they were. you know there then i realized that i was wrong and then i'm just uh, basing my assumptions on the contemporary bengali uh, bengalis i've met but um, and that you know from your book it comes across that food taboos were universal across india right yes. about meat yes. Yes. in some castes and yes. communities yes. so you want to talk and then you mention I mean, from the book, one gets that the shift came in with the interaction with the with the British and all that. So, you want to talk about that? Yeah, um, one one very important thing which one needs to understand here uh, about Bengal's uh, geography, the location where Bengal is. Bengal is a very mm. uh, riverine place. The current West Bengal and the erstwhile. Mm. I'll, um, I mean, undivided Bengal. And mm. This entire area has lots of rivers and everything. 
so yes. because of being the lower basin of uh, the major uh, rivers bagirathi which becomes ganga and hubli and then and meets bay of bengal because of this uh, alluvial rich alluvial soil and uh, fertility of the soil there is mm-hmm. a wide range of collard green which used to grow all over bengal nowhere in bengal and it is absolutely not known to rest of india in 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 the larger understanding of india bengalis are always uh, hardcore non vegetarian that's not the case yes. is there are many uh, bengalis till a certain point in history who would have a simple vegetarian meal and fish was not considered as a very high end non non veg per se unless there was a widow in the family a hindu widow in the family were touching a fish or going close to a fish or those kind of taboos those kind of restrictions were there in terms of uh, executing the religious norms of it so that apart i think fish was never considered as a very matlab uh, um there's a difference between a lamb a chicken eater and a fish eater fish isn't yes. that much of a non veg that one mm. again again surprisingly an egg would be considered much of a taboo than mm. uh, than a fish roe or a fish egg which 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 is always very palatable St- strangely the the medieval times literature uh, refers back to food patterns of different strata in the society so we see the more indigenous people i have mentioned in the beginning of the book somewhere in the early part of the yes. book that kalketu and fullora so those hunter couple there is a reference of porcupine and turtle and all kinds of things which is very natural mm-hmm. i mean if you are a forest dweller you will be having in certain kind of foods which the upper caste wouldn't have or or even yes. even the well established muslims also wouldn't have bengal had a sultanate period bengal had yes. muslim rulers till uh, 1757 and and uh, till the battle of plassey and then i mean uh, eic takes over and how things happen is known to everybody so it, mm-hmm. even for the um, uh, more affluent muslims certain food were restrictions like they yeah I mean, it's not heard of that you will have a turtle and all meat was uh, exempted in muslim households but there was abundance of fish an abundance of collard green mostly in the hindu households and uh, if there is no widow so everyone was open to eating fish but if if there was a, a, a widow young widow or even a elderly widow those restrictions would be strictly observed at that period of time hmm hmm okay so that that was how but then later on with with the with the british and like you say the self fashioning of uh, the image of the Uh, yes. urban bengali yes yes because mm-hmm. you see once uh, east india companies uh, established its trade post in kolkata and the city began growing local uh, local affluence started engaging uh, with eic and 
I mean, even today, if we go in a, a business dinner, we may not really move out of what we like to eat, but we may think of, I mean, for the uh, whole idea of PR pressure comes that way, that we might pick up something which we normally wouldn't want to eat. Not into the basic classification of veg, non-veg, but we may try a, we may try a, a sweet or we may try a, a, a new um, kind of coffee. So those kind of where you have a transaction and relationship, I think in those situation and where there are business deals, trade deals to be signed, a lot of it is also about uh, showing off social mobility. I mean, how powerful you are, how there is yeah. a constant competition going on to be at par with uh, the Europeans. I mean, uh, you make an imprint of a lifestyle you want to lead. And that's a very, uh, uh, what would I say? Even today, we people make a certain standard of the way of life that they would want to lead. And they work towards yes. that. And yes. Most people work towards that. And I think um, this entire 18th century, 19th century, Bengalis who were trading with not only the East India, British East India Company, but there were French, there were Portuguese, there were Armenians. It was like a melting pot. But Calcutta was like a melting pot. People were coming, people were going. So, so many interactions were happening. In that, in that there was always a tendency that you, if you can get an East India official or a European to your home, how will you get that person to come to your home on a Durga Puja or, or on a festivity? If you cater to a kind of food that that person would eat, so I have mentioned that how for the uh, Westerners, for the colonizers, um, hotel food used to come. Great Eastern hotels, mm -hmm. hotel, they would provide the food. But in other cases, uh, people used to uh, employ uh, rakabdars and uh, gourmet chefs and khanshama, the whole uh, band uh, wagon of people used to work in the kitchen to replicate mm -hmm. what the uh, white westerners would be interested in eating. Mm. And the case of the French lady chef who is in the, that was also very interesting. Uh, one family employed a, uh, a French lady as well for continental dishes. Yes, right? the Tagores. The Tagores, oh, the Tagores only themselves. Yes. They had a khansama, they had a uh, had a proper bavarji and they had a French chef as well. Also, right? also a Hindu Brahmin, Odia Brahmin, uh, Thakur. Ah, so, Thakur. So, so all kinds of food were eaten in that household. But of course, Tagores were very like, they were very open to changes and they were international travelers at that point of time. Their women were open to the ideas of cooking new things. I have mentioned Tagore's wife, yes. wife and how she was a great cook. Tagore himself was uh, very experimental because uh, he, he was traveling from China to Argentina uh, to so many countries. He was bringing back food. Mm -hmm. So things were a little different. But, but uh, in, 
if not three kinds of cooks or three particular school of food being made or four various types of food being cooked in one single kitchen but many household many affluent household did employ uh, khansamas and bawachis and those who could afford the gourmet chefs the rakabdars they would afford them as well well mm. but but mm. the contrast i have shown clearly but when it came to uh, durga pujo the prashad the offerings to the goddess and then the uh, distribution of the same that was cooked by the odia thakurs who's mostly that wasn't cooked by muslim cooks so there was a difference mm-hmm. yes okay okay and i also found this uh, uh, you know this very interesting like you've gotten uh, uh, things about the steamer travel and the railway travel and those uh, the the chicken curry the evolution of the uh, you know contemporary chicken curry from those origins of the dark bungalow and the traveling uh, uh, from the experience older experience of travel you want to talk about that i think transit food is very important even today those those dishes have been very beautifully revived in kolkata mm-hmm. there are many eateries who who uh, serve it in the public space people who are shaukeen of food who, who love food they have a, a lot of people used to return home because uh, uh, Bengal was not divided, and Kolkata was yes. where people used to come uh, for work or study or for kacheri. Kacheri is in the court, court-related mm. matters, the judiciary matters. Uh, so mm. I think when when they used to return, they had to wait because, as I said, it it's a very riverine place, and this huge, humongous, large-scale rivers uh, crisscrossing. that province so i think there was a long wait period and in that with since there wouldn't be any fancy restaurants and quick eateries so one would comply with the fact that okay what the boatman would cook one would uh, quickly have a meal from what is being rustled up by the boatman or his assistant similarly when the um, when you mostly eic officials and other british government officials when they were traveling they used to uh, have i mean they used to halt or board or lodge uh, in dark bungalows for their night stays one night two nights some people would stay even longer depending on what work and the, those were very frugal structures but they were used to kolkata's uh, lavish food i have um, given a whole uh, detail of chota hajiri and bada hajiri and all of that so they yes. they used to kind of force themselves to eat um, what was prepared by the lone khanshama or the bawachi there <laughs> it was a bit quite a lot of deprivation because from from what you written about what they ate at home it's oh quite my. shocking even by modern standards you know? absolutely yes but um, you see if if you if you for once look at the banglo food the dal banglo food and look at the regular the modest dinner menu 
it's it's serious high contrast stuff and and in that you if you notice the dinner menu i i personally think they overrate they actually overrate yeah. and yeah, yeah. they they overrate and there there was no this there, i suspect at some point maybe i will try to find out i suspect there was a lot of food wastage also at that point of time right yeah must have been and though though i didn't find any record while working on this book but because british households and east india companies official household and uh, established european traders of various nationalities were there in kolkata they had shops i've mentioned about cook and kelvi the watchmakers mm. there, there there were a lot of people so so every household had a a, a huge uh, number of uh, domestic help so i think yeah. the food what was wasted was given out also but yeah uh, must have been recycled like they, they would have taken it recycled but a lot had go, used to go for wastage this is 100% absolutely sure about because there's a there's a there's a picture of indulgence which emerges from mm. the, the primary materials also and which is absolutely uh, been factually ch- checked also that yes there was a huge consumption there was huge indulgence going on that is exactly mm. why people like clive had gone back and they have uh, i mean they have found a very important position in the british society once they returned after the loot they had taken from here yes yes hmm uh though clive also got into trouble right because yes, people they knew about his excess yes yes <laughs> some of them did clive particularly got into trouble but i mean to say that even a chota mota official well with the extra yeah. parks and with the wealth what uh, they would accumulate here it was enough for them to reestablish reclaim societal position in england so yes yes that is pretty much a part and that is how actually many of them actually stayed back because they wanted to make that extra money hmm though some of them could also die like oh, you mentioned oh, oh. hundreds of <laughs> many them. died hundreds yeah. of them kolkata has a cemetery only where thousands of people have died out of malaria and all other epidemic diseases at that point yeah. of time and it, it was yeah. rather meant for them i mean the colonizers had died everywhere they have gone they have died in caribbean they have died in yeah. indonesia wherever they have gone to colonize in tropical climate they have died right so yeah. so it kolkata was no exception i mean that kind of humidity they couldn't handle only so it was a yeah. lot there was a lot of death Mm. you know what i found particularly also interesting is that when you talk about you know fish and chips and how that in is i mean i you know like when i when i eat fish and chips like you know when you go to london or wherever and you have street food mm. and fish and chips and i always thought then that acha this is like fish cutlet <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. you know but you have put it down that actually it is um, inspired by by the uk f- f- british fish 
fish and chips. It is, it is, it is. That's how it landed. Things, there was continuous copying of things, what was happening mm. there. One of the best examples mm. is, the, I have mentioned and that in the schools, schools, when the women, when the girls were getting educated, they were trained mm. exactly the same way how their counterpart in UK were trained. So they learned sewing, mm. they, they learned cooking, they learned how to manage the uh, home, nutritional charts to be made. All sorts of things were being made. How to make pickles, jam, jelly, hey, those 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 kind of things were taught to them and so so much of replication was happening if it was happening at the education level it is absolutely natural that it would percolate at the plate level mm. But see, mm. see again, but there is eccentricity here also that people loved omelette, but people didn't love omelette which had stuffing. Why? <laughs> like not even cheese stuffing? <laughs> you know? Be- because cheese, cheese was not accessible to a large number of people. Cheese, mm. uh, cheese I had mentioned that this whole idea yes. of cottage cheese wasn't wasn't very popular because the cheese is a very newer thing by by that yes. point of time time they had managed to make chena which is which is yeah. the casein and the whey is the breaking agent the catalytic agent is mm-hmm. the whey so they, yeah. that whole interest in cottage cheese got diverted in sweet meat making Mm. So, salty cheese came to Bengali life much later, like really, ah. really, very recently. But mm. Bengal didn't have any culture of any paneer dish, basically. Mm. Instead, there was a traditional um, Bengali vegetarian dish uh, called chana dalna which i have mentioned in the book which which mm. was a, a, a innovation that these odia thakurs came up with for the widows or people who were vegetarian because it mm. was cooked with rich spices is so that it's a kind of a replacement for a, a fish kalia or maybe a mutton curry things like that so that's a very, very, very well thought kind of a innovation which emerged over a period of time. So talking about the Odia contribution to, you know, uh, cuisine, but I'm also thinking like of the whole argument. I mean, online people constantly argue about the origins of the Rashgulla. You know, so you want to talk about that? And even yesterday I saw somebody say, some Uriya person saying, no, it is from, it's by, it's an Uriya thing, you know, and not a Bengali thing. So talk about that. It's such an ongoing See, thing. I don't, don't want to comment about it. This is like a, one of those <laughs> in, eternal debate which doesn't ever work. I mean, <laughs> but the fact is that Odisha has a claim on Rasgulla, but you have to give it to Nogin Chandradash for popularizing it. Let me put it that way. Because okay. also the method of breaking it down, there is a huge, see, the other theory which I have mentioned is that 
in in a in a hindu household the the curdling of milk was inauspicious so what mm-hmm. what is what is inauspicious cannot be offered to god right so yeah. and in odisha the, the 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 central the core idea of social fa- fabric the cultural fabric the social fabric the religiosity of the place is centered around jagannath so yes so the, the other theory is that in jagannath temple there is no chana product which is offered i do not recall it mm. because i uh, i mean i had my family had traveled all bengalis traveled to puri so but those were school days so i don't recall if i have uh, seen anything of that sort but uh, as an adult i hadn't had any chance to go to puri so it wouldn't be right for me to comment but so far nobin chandra dash is concerned he should be given credit for popularizing rasgulla the way the world knows it today 100% mm. it goes to mm. because he is the one who uh, who you, like you said discovered uh, how to make the consistency of chena yes, yes, yes. absolutely right? absolutely yes because this another thing called chenar murki which which is mm. irregularly shaped um, stuff made of chena but rasgulla's firmness and that it doesn't break apart but that that is nobin chandra dash's credit that will go to nobin chandra mm, and that is a big thing because like you like how you've um, described it because of that success of that experiment the whole sandesh world of uh, sweets bengali sweets opened up right yes absolutely because on one hand it was rasgulla and i have mentioned another thing which is hand hand made completely handmade um, uh, mishti in kolkata we call it mishti in kolkata is still mm-hmm. an artisanal craftsmanship so mm-hmm. at at that level that makha sandesh the rudimentary sandesh these two mm-hmm. things are the forefather of the sweet industry there so oh, we yeah. have to give credit to both uh, girish chandra de bhimna who are makers of shandesh and also to nobhi uh, chandra dash for rasgulla uh, we can't mm-hmm. escape it mm-hmm. i mean it's it it, it, <laughs> it is something which we have to acknowledge <laughs> okay so and this this kesi das is the same family brand as it is, i mean yes yes their successor i mean nobhi chandra das's family he and okay. uh, they're all over kolkata they're all over the world in fact they're in us also i think in so mm. uh, so this krishna chandra das was who great grandson of nabin chandra what how was he related you know uh, it's Kesi Das was grandson and not great his grandson. Okay, okay. And from his table, the delicate rasmalai, yes, which resembles patties yes. made of chana, chana was soaked in sweetened milk. That also came from them. Fantastic. Yes. Continuously, see, I have mentioned Manjula that once they were getting recognition of socially well placed people, their energy to experiment were only growing there, mm. there is a caste politics to it like they were 
Moiras come from a very lower caste. As to, okay. in, in Bengal, caste politics was very rampant and it, it was very rooted to Bengal's history. So when a Moira is able to reach out to somebody like, like uh, Lady Canning, you can obviously mm. understand the social mobility climb that he has. So, mm. so when you are recognized for your work, the incentive is to experiment. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that's how this whole, I mean, it's really an efflorescence, right? I mean, it's fantastic because Bengali sweets are one of those, I don't know, those, those it's really a brilliant field. <laughs> no, I, th- I think, I think wherever Bengali sweets have become popular, popular. It had become popular for its uh, whole delicacy and its its experiments and its yes. taste and flavor. I have seen in Delhi also. People love Bengali sweets. Although Delhi yeah, has yeah, so the, much the, sweets. the inventiveness of Bengali sweets. I mean, it's really something to be greatly admired. You walk into one of the Bengali sweet shops and you're transported because... <laughs> I mean, we, we, the Bengalis are quite crazy. I mean, they they can actually get obsessed with things. Even in cooking, in uh, what is not highlighted, we have so much of vegetarian options, so much mm. infinite vegetarian option. And in fact, if we really sit down to count, the vegetarian options are equally high, which I mentioned in the cookbook section of the uh, mm. book how cookbooks yes. were coming up one after the other and what yes, they were doing, yes. uh, I mean, how they were helping the food to evolve, to take a different shape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very, you know, that, that bit is very interesting. I mean, for a non-Bengali, one doesn't know that it was so evolved, the whole cookbook scene, you know, and over, 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 like what? More than 150 years now, right? Yes, more than 150 years now. Oh, and and also the fact that the first cookbook was printed in Bengal because printing press, mm-hmm. because of the colonial powers, the printing press was first set up in Kolkata. Mm-hmm. That is how it came about. Oh, mm-hmm. and it some mad- madness was going on because. Because see, the the money and the uh, concentration of power was in the first colonial capital before it moved mm. to Delhi. So people yes. were interested in doing a whole lot of things, and people people mm. were also continuously thinking ki kya kare ki taki I am proved to be different. So was mm. I mean, all mm. that was also happening that. If you if you write a cookbook, you have a great readership, which I have mentioned. W- women were yes. learning to read and write. So women mm. would be your loyal uh, clientele. They would want to read. Mm. And women mm. had another um, backstory to them because uh, affluent women, people, women who had access to education, they wanted to impress um, their family their husbands. Mm. See, mm. I have learned to cook something different, maybe a pudding or maybe some fancy dish which they wouldn't uh, otherwise cook. So uh, something which mm. is driven by a recipe. He, the idea of recipe comes with these cookbooks, right? Mm. 
and this whole uh, um, fashioning of the self as uh, uh, like you know i didn't think about this earlier but uh, you put it out like how you know fashioning themselves according to the victorian model of the lady hmm. right the lady so we, that was the lady of the house the lady yeah. of the house the good wife house code the, yes the yes. good wife code is something very important uh, because you see when uh, will uh, bentink uh, opens the school bethun bethun opens the school the women's mm. school the girls school he actually gives a lecture that he wants uh, educated mothers uh, if how will you become educated mother unless unless you become a educated wife so the whole mm. thing is a very colon colon is a part of the colonial strategization that if you if mm. you train mothers if you uh, allow mothers to be educated you'll have a glorious nation the idea of a glorious mm. nation is very i mean the, the how the english saw a glorious glorious nation how how mm. they wanted to remodel their colony as a replica of england mm 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 and you know this section where you uh, uh, you are quoting about uh, the cry of chai chai garam garam chai and i was thinking that till i mean even now <laughs> you know oh. you still hear if you travel by train you hear the same cries you know chai samosa but this hindu pani muslim pani thankfully we've gotten out of that <laughs> ha but um, at that point of time we were moving towards independence na? so of course the british was were working like uh, the british brain was working so much to divide the country in terms of religion and because that mm-hmm. was their only savior at that point of time so they they were like i mean i'm 100% sure more than people at that point of time they were inciting things in so mm. but in but as of as far as the uh, railway platform food we we still sometimes have to travel in train and we do travel in train or bachpan mein to train yeah. mein ja, jaate the to that whole khullad ki chai and in station chai garam is such a familiar call i mean no yes. indian perhaps have not heard it it when traveling in train <laughs> and that's a, that's true. really that's true. integral to our uh, cultural space i think yeah yeah and this whole thing what i mean uh, you know people being against tea one can't even imagine that now i mean considering no, no, the no. consumption but <laughs> but see how fast they moved from one end to the other how within a yeah. couple of years it became a part of the whole repertoire of what is swadeshi Yeah, so yes. it's very interesting that how it's initially resisted and how it finally takes over. Uh, so, yeah. so that that's fascinating. In in fact, yeah, yeah, and uh, also how like uh, what is it that makes some things just move? You know how what makes people accept some things mm. and not accept other things? It's a mystery, actually, right? 
it is i think sociologically there are deep factors related to it but in common parlance we don't get to see those factors unless we are really working very deep into the sociological analysis and the psychiatry mm. and the consumer base and all of that see to for this i would give one example bengal had a culture of coffee which i had mentioned yes yes and but it mm. disappeared because it it couldn't enter the middle class it was ah. limited to a certain class of people in the in the bengal sultanate and the capital of bengal sultanate was in a, a different city in baharampur in mushidabad so it was limited mm. to that space had it been able to make an inroad like south it possibly coffee would have taken a, a more important space in a bengali life than tea mm-hmm. but i don't know maybe the the marketing of tea was much more successful because it only is, it's it. only now it is, you know, it is. It, across the country like you know uh it's only now that people are now drinking coffee in cafes and all but chai walas have been there forever like in our life but i still think <laughs> that we are a country of so many billions chai is still the common man's beverage yes of and, course of course and i don't think that's going to change also because uh, we love our chai so much uh, so chai is pretty much associated to india's imprint i mean yeah we travel to any country who i mean any person who knows a little about india would tell that uh, indian chai is famous they have made yeah. it into now chai latte masala chai is <laughs> such a big thing all over the west i mean turmeric tea what not i mean <laughs> we should have it when we're not well <laughs> absolutely yes <laughs> quite 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 interesting to see what can be marketed actually what is what yes. is being marketed becomes popular uh, Yes. yes let me put it this way and what is not yeah. being successfully marketed and you you have read that how tea was very matlab they spent all their forces to make tea popular because there were larger yeah. politics to it there was the china angle and there was it was giving them profit it was it is tea like sugar and cocoa is one of the biggest global uh, success stories of colonialism Yes. So, yes. Hmm. So, I mean, I could uh, I could go on talking to you. It's a very interesting book, and there's lot of information which I found really fascinating. Like you know, the fish and chips and <laughs> becoming uh, becoming you know fried fish, uh, whatever fish cutlets. You know, these are things that one just imagine, and even the bun, the cheese, the Portuguese cheese, and uh, all these like fascinating nuggets, and the whole. section especially on the sweets had my mouth you know my mouth was watering throughout so <laughs> there are there, there are photographs there are uh, 31 yeah, very nice photographs as so yes. my colleague has been shooting through the city he had got very nice photographs i will convey your uh, compliments in front abina yes yeah he, he has been my collaborator for my banaras book also at some point yes, if yes. you leaf through that book you will see some spectacular photography of banaras so 
Yeah. So um, he had the access of the kitchens in, in in those heritage confectioners, which really people don't give. So that oh. that way, hey, I mean, you're not allowed to enter because food is being made. No? So if yeah. you have special permissions to enter and go and repeat shoots. And that's how some great photos have come out. out so, okay. So, nice. Nice. So this is a book. Now I'm hungry after talking to you also. <laughs> so for, for the listeners. That's the job of a food book, I think. Even a food book, yeah. food history book can make you hungry. So it has done its purpose. Uh, yeah, it is making me want to reach for rasgullas specifically. It's <laughs> so sweet of you. Hmm? Okay, so for the listeners, go out and get Calcutta on your plate. It's like a, quite a, you know, it's a very informative book, very interesting. And you will, you, you know, and it'll also make you hungry, like I said. So thank you so much, Niloshri, for talking to me. Thanks, Manjula. Bye. Bye-bye. This was a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast